I want to just take a few minutes today. Uh, really, I'm going to try and keep this to just a few minutes because today I'd like to really uh, devote to providing some resource. And so I'll say right at the top, I'm going to put some links in the uh, episode um, notes, uh, in this post notes. Uh, also, they'll be on uh, on the audio version, if you uh, are listening just on the audio version, uh, you know we put notes here with uh, links and various things. I'm going to put a number of links there as well, as well as on my website. But I want to talk just a little bit today about the swiftly changing uh, economic landscape. Um, we're living in a time of significant change, economically speaking. By now, you've likely heard terms like reserve currency, or you've taught, you've heard talk about China becoming sort of the predominant player on the economic scene. You've even likely heard of the ascension of Russia's stability in their economy or the uh, stabilizing of their economy, I should say, as they are on the ascension um, from a economic standpoint, as they have linked the ruble to uh, to gold. They've actually kind of gone back to the gold standard and that has stabilized their economy in ways that um, that are pre- that are very different from uh, our uh, economic underpinnings and, and moorings. Uh, we left the gold standard back in the 70s. Um, you could argue, really, the, the 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 move toward that happened much earlier. But we've officially left the gold standard back under Nixon, and we now have a fiat currency that is really built, and uh, the foundations of which are built upon the perception of the strength of our economy more than they are upon anything actual or real. And so um, just to connect a dot here, um, when we talk about the uh, reserve currency, the standard global reserve currency, the currency, in other words, that most countries will end up doing business uh, with, that has been the dollar now for some quite some time. Well, that is about to change as our economic strength and might diminishes to the point where confidence is undermined and shaken. Well, when uh, the yuan or the Chinese currency becomes uh, really the one that business is done with, although Russia is making a push for this as well. But whether it's China or Russia, it will be somebody other than us in the next couple of years, very likely. Uh, and I mean that, like it's it's swiftly happening this way. Maybe that's a pun with the word swift there, but it's, it's very rapidly taking place. Um, when that happens, that will become a devastating blow to the confidence in the United, in the American economy, which will in many ways become a, a final nail in the coffin to our uh, prominence on the world scene as an economic superpower. Um, it likely will be China that has that. As a matter of fact, they are um, seeking to be independent in, in that regard to the point where they are developing systems within their own economy uh, uh, that are, that are essentially building them to a place where they can stand, uh, and withstand, uh, whatever economic shifts may take place globally. And so this is an important thing for us to be paying attention to because life as we know it, boy, this is going to sound like the sky is falling chicken little dramatic beyond words, but life as we know it within the next couple of years is going to completely be different. Um, I, I'm not speaking like a, a prophet or some kind of thing like that. I'm just simply watching what happens on the landscape out there 
but I'm also paying attention to what the scriptures have told us about what is going to happen in the days just prior, uh, during the last seven-year period of time leading to Christ's return. Now, we're not in that last seven-year period yet, but we are closing in on it closer and closer and closer. And that's becoming harder and harder to deny. Uh, the Bible talks in, Re- in Re- Revelation 13, um, I'm just going to put an amalgam of things together here. Um, so I'll mention Revelation 13, Daniel chapters 2 and 7, and 8 and 9, um, places like this where it talks about the ascendance of a little horn, uh, as he's described in Daniel. Uh, we recognize him as the beast of Revelation 13. Another name we refer to him by is that of Antichrist. Uh, this is a leader who will one day ultimately step into the role of prominence as the global leader of a globalized one world system that will, uh, that will encompass both economics, politics, and also spirituality. Revelation 13 is a key passage to understanding, uh, uh, really getting a picture of what's going to happen here in the days to come. And it helps us to understand what the end looks like. Because in seeing what the end is, we can sort of reverse engineer and see what's happening today and recognize that we're actually moving right toward this. Uh, the Antichrist, when he comes on the scene, uh, Revelation chapter 6, this this rider on a white horse with a bow in, in his hand going forth to conquer. Uh, this implies a peaceful conqueror. There are, no, there are no arrows in this bow. He is a conqueror, but it does not seem like he's coming purely in a military sense. There will be military aspects to it, no doubt. But he's coming primarily in a peaceful way. Daniel 9.27 seems to bear this out as well, as he comes on the scene and signs a covenant, a treaty with Israel uh, that will seemingly allow them to rebuild their temple, re- reinstitute sacrifices and offerings. These things he will cut off at the midway point of that last seven-year period of time. He'll cause these offerings to cease because he will, as Paul says in Second Thessalonians 2, he will go into the temple of God, declaring himself to be God, demanding to be worshipped of all that is called God. And so, therefore, we see from this picture that is painted, not just in these few passages I mentioned, but a deeper study of these passages and a look at other passages that also pertain to this, help us to understand that this is the system that is coming. It will be a one world government. It will be a new world order. And these, of course, are terms that are have been used in, in the highest levels of, of our government, not to mention others, for many, many years now. This is nothing new. As a matter of fact, today, and of course, for many of you, this will be familiar ground, But the World Economic Forum seems to be the key that is bringing together so many of these global leaders and giving them a platform by which to join together to institute some of the final nails in the coffin and getting us uh, into a one world system. Uh, This, again, having to do with both politics and economics. Matter of fact, the World Economic Forum is singularly focused and Klaus Schwab is the leader of it is singularly focused and has made the open call for, uh, for government and business to ultimately become essentially one entity that provides the means by which we might raise, uh, all people in this world to some kind of an equitable uh, equality-based kind of a standard uh, where no one is left behind and those kinds of things. Of course, if you see how these things unfold, you see along the way many will be left behind. But in their system of making their particular omelet, they're willing to break whatever eggs are necessary to ultimately get to a place where we do have a globalized system of existence, uh, all pervasive. It is and, and it is intended to be a one-world system. Um, now, um, 
there are practical ways in which this is this is happening today. I'm just going to mention a few of them because, again, today I just really wanted to take a few minutes to lay this out, but then provide resources for you to do more homework. And I will tell you, some of the links I'll, I'll, I'll put on there are going to be videos, easy to watch, easy to listen to and understand. Others will be documentation that uh, that frankly, you're going to have to put your nerd on a little bit uh, to read through and understand some of these things. But they they are the laying out in plain sight, the plans and intentions and even the mechanisms and apparatus that are being put in place to ultimately accomplish this. Um, so um, there is, of course, the digitization of our identification. There is the growing movement toward creating digital ID for every person on Earth. And of course, it's being sold as a good thing. Uh, a means by which we might provide resources, medicines, foods, uh, things that are needed to everybody on earth because everybody will be able to prove who they are and therefore become, um, uh, or they therefore be, uh, there's, there's a means by which they can be reached with these things. Well, of course, this has echoes of this idea of a mark in a, in a one world system. It's not the mark because there's no antichrist yet. There's no false uh, prophet. There's no image. There's no temple. There's no covenant with Israel. Uh, there is no mark yet, but, but these things are paving the way for a, uh, in, in a conditioning process to prepare the way for us to, and I say us, I mean the world. I, I, uh, I really do think the church will be gone by the time it gets to that point where the, the, the antichrist is on the scene. But whatever the case, this is a conditioning agent to move the world, uh, another element in the conditioning process of getting the world ready for that to ultimately happen. Um, now, while that system is being put in place for good purposes or provided, uh, trying to provide a good way to, to accomplish these purposes, it ultimately can be used for less altruistic means, obviously. Well, there's also then, on top of that, there is this movement toward the redistribution of resources. Uh, it's usually called the redistribution of wealth. We can just simply say resources. The idea of, of, of whether it's through taxation or whether it's through legal, uh, you know, means and, and such to create a system by which there is equity, equality across the board, um, based on removing resources from those who have much and giving it uh, to those who have little. Now, from a as a believer, I believe that we should use our resources to help other people. But as a believer, and as a general matter of fairness, I don't believe I should take your resources and give them to somebody else. Uh, as, as an authority figure, taking that which is yours and giving it to somebody else based on my own view of how things should be. That is essentially what this movement is all about. That is what the World Economic Forum is all about. This is what this whole system ultimately seems to uh, look like it's going to be uh, based on, at least en route to getting to its final uh, iteration under Antichrist. Um, those who are making the decisions about how resources are to be distributed share a common philosophy. That is what we just described. And they are people in power that want to see these things happen. Of course, you know these names. We've mentioned the World Economic Forum and Klaus Schwab. You know Bill Gates. You know the foundation that he runs. You know all of these people that, um, uh, well, many of them. Uh, there, are, there are many other names that are, you probably aren't household names. But there are enough that are that help us get a sense of who is helping to pull the levers and bring things together so that this might ultimately happen. Now, of course, uh, just to kind of bring this around, um, the last thing I would just speak to now is the idea of the digitization of currency, of economic systems. Um, this is the arena where we talk about things like central bank digital currencies. 
uh, or cryptocurrency, which is a different thing, but it's, it speaks to this idea of a paperless, cashless, digitized system of buying and selling. And the key element to this is not, while on the one hand it's being purported as something that will make everything easier, there's a lot of hurdles to overcome into getting it in place. But once it's in place, it'll make everything easier for everybody. Both the buying and selling and also the tracking of, of, um, you know, of, of transactions and all those kinds of things. Blockchain was where this would be talking about. But the idea here is that of creating a system that is accessible to everybody can be entered into by anybody who has a digital ID. You can participate in the system. It'll be great for everybody. Um, however, the, the flip side of that is that it also will be managed and regulated by somebody. There is this constant talk of decentralization in this conversation. However, some somewhere there's going to be an or some kind of a organization responsible for standards and practices and how this ultimately continues to work. Uh, groups like the World Economic Forum that are pushing for this kind of system uh, would likely see themselves as being sort of the vehicle by which this system either is implemented or is at least maintained or overseen. But when we talk about these kinds of things, I know I'm being fast and just going moving through it. But I'm going to include links that, again, will provide you with means by which to do further investigation. The goal being to understand, you know, we're not going to stop this from happening, really. At some point, we're moving in the direction that the scripture says we're going to go. But to understand it helps us to get our minds both in a last day's mindset, but also to be thinking about prioritizing our lives. What matters? What kinds of decisions are we going to have to make in the near future, even before the rapture? Uh, what kind of decisions will we have to be able, willing to make? What what levels of normal are we willing to accept in our existence? I would suggest that we are going to need to sort of be of the mindset that we're going to have to learn to live with less um, because more and more things uh, are going to crowd in on us that are going to require us to be part of a system that we are fundamentally opposed to uh, in order to survive. And so um, I think we need to start developing a mindset where we are ready for these things to unfold. And as believers to hunker down as we, uh, as we continue to live out our faith in this world while we wait for our bridegroom to come for us. And of course, part of living out our faith in this world means finding out how to outreach in the midst of a circumstance that is growing increasingly dark and hard toward the gospel, but also is going to have a number of people that are going to want out of that system and they don't know what to do or where to go or even what's happening. Well, this is the opportunity for believers, for the church to step in and provide those answers and to bring hope and to bring people to faith in Christ through the power of the gospel. But if we continue to live in a, in a sense that nothing's going to change, everything's going to, or things are changing, but they'll go back to the way they were and those kinds of things, we need to get out of that mindset. I know that sounds extreme. That sounds really kind of blunt, but we really do need to get out of the mindset of business as usual. Or we need to at least redefine business as usual to accommodate true gospel-centered living in the days in which we're living. A um, couple last thoughts on this, just from a practical standpoint. You want to pay attention to things like ESG, or Environment Social Government is what that's an acronym for. This is a basis of a social credit system, uh, credit scoring system, basically, that will, at one point, when this system is ultimately put in place, 
will play a large part, an enormous part, in determining your access to the system that is in place. Uh, what is your view on the environment? How green are you? What kind of a footprint are you leaving, both personally, but also in terms of a business? What kind of a footprint is business, is your business, uh, your company that you work for or own leaving? Um, is it, is it net positive or negative when it comes to environmental, um, you know, contribution? Uh, social, where do you stand on issues like transgenderism? Where do you stand on issues like gay marriage? Where do you stand on issues like abortion? Um, these are the kinds of things that that are going to weigh into whether you can get loans, whether you can get a job, whether a company will hire you based on your personal views. Um, if you cease to hold the, the popular view in society, and particularly of those who are overseeing the management of this social credit system, um, which, by the way, is not just going to be national, it will eventually be global. And so if you don't fit into that, then you don't fit in. And then, of course, governance and that kind of thing. Do you play along? Now, I'm being, I'm being very, very quick and brief and, and surface on this. But as you begin to study these things and, and recognize the, the far-reaching nature and also the, the, the current implementing of these things, this is not a theoretical thing down the road. This is currently being implemented by, by large companies around the world right now. Uh, there are businesses within the Fortune 100 that are refusing to do business with other businesses that don't line up in regard to ESG. Um, and so this is not some tinfoil hat thing. This is something you can find out for yourself is actually happening out in the open. The reason you may not know about it is because you've never thought you had to pay attention to things like that before. But you do. And as a believer, I think you should. Um, there's uh, an organization you're going to also want to become familiar with. Some of you already will be. But there's an organization called uh, the the, uh, the Bank for International Settlement, BIS, is uh, the uh, the abbreviation for that. But um, it's, it's one of the most influential um, economic um, uh, organizations that, that watches, studies, and reports on economic movements globally uh, that you probably have never heard of. Um, it is an organization that puts out an annual report, an annual economic report that describes global economics in incredible detail. And it is, uh, it is relatively conservative in its approach to things, but it is a, again, this is where you really have to sit down and get your cup of coffee out and be ready to think for an hour or two if you're going to read through this thing. But it is, uh, it is a wonderful resource to understand what is actually happening globally, economically. Uh, and of course, nowadays, there is a heavy emphasis on uh, things like digital currency and stablecoin. Uh, I'm just throwing terms out now that you can look up, but, you know, Bitcoin uh, and those kinds of things, um, dig- central bank digital currency and the in- central banks and their influence in those kinds of things. So these are things you're going to want to spend time getting more familiar with. Uh, this sounds geeky, nerdy, and all that kind of thing, but uh, trust me, it is a, a rich exercise coming to understand these things better because it will help you see the world as it actually is. Uh, this is, um, this is red pill totally, you know, but anyway, so that being said, um, all these things are leading toward a system that the scriptures have told us well in advance, uh, is coming. 
Revelation 13 speaks of a global economic system that is connected with a global political system that is ultimately under the um, umbrella of a global spiritual system as this leader um, who will claim to be God will ultimately become the person that the world rallies behind. Uh, and he will demand that and require that people take a mark. Again, it's a mark of allegiance. You will worship the beast both in practice and also in the practical reality of taking this mark. Um, and, uh, and without this mark, you will not be able to buy or sell. But as the angel, the third angel in Revelation 14 speaks about, uh, in his warning against taking the mark, to take the mark at that time means to forfeit your eternity with God. You will have sided with the enemy on this. You will have sided with actually the devil himself on this, who is behind Antichrist and the false prophet. Now, again, if you are not a believer and you've been listening this far, now you hear me get to this point, you might be rolling your eyes on this kind of thing. Okay. I hope you get saved before we get to that point. If you don't, I hope you'll remember everything you just heard. And this is a massively brief, very, very brief, uh, to, to the point of not doing justice kind of brief um, um, thing. But again, my, my emphasis today is to sort of lay that out there and then provide um, links and resources for you to spend some time on. Um, don't let this replace your Bible study. I'm speaking again to believers now. Don't let this replace your time in the Word, in fellowship with believers, in prayer, in breaking bread together, in living out your Christian life. But do, as a course of regular practice, make sure that you don't shield yourself from understanding what's going on here. Don't stick your head in the sand. Uh, you want to make sure you're aware so that you can be of further use, of even greater use, in terms of the kingdom business that we're called to. At the end of the day, this is not intended to scare. I know it's kind of hard to believe, but it's actually intended to encourage because the word of God is coming to pass as it's said. Now, we're just seeing, we're filling in the blanks on how it happens, but the Word of God is moving, uh, is being fulfilled as we move toward that ultimate fulfillment um, that it speaks of in regard to a global unity, which ultimately stands against the King of Kings and Lord of Lords. In Revelation eleven fifteen, there is this um, there is this call that that precedes the actual finishing of of, of what it, of what it's calling to, but it's it's said in order to let us know that these things are going to be. What does it say? It says that the kingdoms of this world have become the kingdom of our Lord and of His Christ. In other words, Jesus' kingdom will come and His will will be done here on earth as it is in heaven. It's just that these things are ultimately the things that we will see come to pass leading up to that taking place. Again, it finally takes place in Revelation 19 and 20, but it's coming. And so, believer, to you, I would say, spend time understanding these things, learning about them. And I apologize again for the brevity and the speed, the pace at which we went through these things today. But I wanted to kind of get this done in sort of a succinct kind of way and then really just push you towards some of the links and resources. And again, there's just a handful, but they're meaningful and important places to start to do your research on this. So that being said, uh, to the unbeliever, I would say today is the day for you to get right with God. The gospel is simply this. That Jesus has come and has paid for our sin, past, present, and future, on the cross. And as Paul said in in, uh, 2 Corinthians 5, verse 21, He who knew no sin became sin on our behalf, that we might become the righteousness of God in him. You will never be right with God based on your own works. It is only by faith in Christ and his finished work on the cross. He died for our sins, was buried, and rose again the third day, and ever lives. And because he lives so too shall we live. So let me invite you to come and believe today, 
right now, before the things we're talking about ultimately come to their fruition. Father, we just thank you for the fact that you have spelled out in advance for us what's going to be coming. Uh, and as we look at the world around us, we see how easily these things that are happening today fit into the picture that you have painted for us. And whatever things change, whatever things rise and fall between now and then, we do know ultimately what the final picture will look like. And so help us to be aware of our surroundings, what's going on around us. Help us not to be aloof, but rather to recognize the times and the signs that indicate what times we're in. Father, we thank you as believers that we have a future and a hope with you forever that nothing will take away. But Father, for those who don't know you, we just pray that today would be the day they would stop running from you and instead fall upon you and upon your grace. We thank you that Jesus came and died for our sins once and for all, that we might be right with you. And so, Father, I just pray for those who are lost right now, that today in this moment, they might come and believe. And if that's you, I invite you to pray with me. Father, I confess to you, I'm a sinner. I'm a rebel. I've gone my own way. But I do pray, as I believe and put my trust on Christ Jesus, that you would receive me to yourself. I thank you for your grace. And I thank you for the freedom from the penalty of my sin that I deserve, but that Jesus took upon himself. Father, I pray that you'd help me to walk with you each day until I see you face to face. I pray that I'd walk in the footsteps of Jesus, that I'd learn of him and grow with him, thanking you all the way that your grace will carry me home. I praise you and thank you for this, Lord. In Jesus' name, amen. Well, thanks again for watching and uh, look forward to catching up with you next time. And again, look for those links in the bottom and I invite you to go ahead and, uh, and do some research on that. And um, we'll talk more about this in the days to come. But uh, until next time, may the Lord bless and keep you, make his face shine upon you, be gracious to you, and give you peace forever. Amen.